This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome, one and all, to another day, another week, another episode of The Dinner's Board with me, John Adirola, and just me. If that's not enough for you, then get the hell out of here. I got nothing else to say to you, except for all the stuff I have to say about the news, and no one else to say anything to you until they're here every other day of the week. So uh, it's just me today. I will have to be Ken enough for all of you, but Ravana is going to be here on Tuesday, and we've got Sharon on Wednesday. Francesca will be coming to make Thursday as fantastic as it deserves to be, and then Brett will be here to close out the week. But today, you've just got me and a ton of fascinating news. Uh, obviously, the context for today, this week, I guess the next month or so, is the fact that Donald Trump was hit with a massive fine, $355 million. I did a live reaction to that on the channel back on Friday, so uh, go check that out. Um, I broke down some of the numbers, some of the non-financial uh, aspects of it, so that's available. And definitely, if you're not already a subscriber, you should become one so that you get notifications for live videos like that. Although, if you're not a subscriber, how are you here this early on in this live video? It wouldn't make any sense. Uh, and so we're going to have some fallout from that as well as a lot of other interesting news coming up in the first hour. Something, something, shoes. I'm just going to say that, and you all know what I'm talking about already. I'm going to have thoughts. Nikki Haley going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tim Scott. That'll be fun. And then, coming up in the aftermath, Russian state TV uh, don't have a lot of respect for red cap wearers. They like Trump. The MAGA world, not so much. So that's going to be fun. And... We've got this genre of news stories that we've been covering here on the Damage Report over the past year or so, a subset of our obvious obsession with AI and how AI is going to interact with the news and with politics. And it's when, like, ads go too far. And uh, we've got an example of that. We have got an ad that is brutal and you might say effective, but it just doesn't sit quite right with me. So stay for the aftermath and take a look at that. It's... I guarantee if you are not familiar with what I'm talking about, there is no way you're going to guess what this ad is. And also, we're going to stick up for uh, Beyonce, who arguably doesn't need our support. But we're going to provide it regardless, okay? And with that, we're going to jump into the news. Everyone hit the, like, uh, hit the like button, share the stream if you haven't already. We're still giving out Blue Open gift cards when my aging, addled brain remembers. So send in your comments, and you might get one of those. And uh, with that, why don't we jump into the news? Donald Trump's supporters are, of course, enraged by the fact that last week a judge fined him over $350 million in New York's civil fraud lawsuit, an amount of money that is objectively large and set to become even larger by the time it's inevitably paid off. It could look more like $400 million at that point. But don't you worry, as mad as they are, they also have a plan, a plan to ride on in like the cavalry and save their god emperor. So it starts 
with Elena Cardone, one of Trump's supporters who, who launched a GoFundMe. You can see the front page of the GoFundMe right there. It's called Stand with Trump, Fund the $355 million Unjust Judgment. And if it's not clear from that what the goal is, they want to raise $355 million to hand to a billionaire uh, to pay the fine that he incurred by his and his family's willful violations of the law over the, of the, over the course of years. And here's the fascinating thing about this. The amount of money that has been raised is almost perfectly calibrated right now to give everyone exactly what they want. If you are a Trump supporter, if you're a MAGA fan or whatever, you look at this and you say that as of when we're going live, they have raised $476,000 and you say, yes, it's a mugger movement. We're coming together. We're going to do this thing. That's an object. That's a lot of money. And $476,000. Like imagine how much good that could do if it were given to someone who was actually in need, someone who was actually suffering, you know, maybe medical debt or something, maybe someone who loses a family member in a, in a horrific act of violence. Like if it was charity that actually was doing something charitable, it'd be a lot of money. But at the same time, it ain't much on $355 million. And it's hard to imagine that they're going to end up getting anything like that amount. So it's like that perfect amount right there. It's way too much money to give to a billionaire, but not nearly enough to actually save him. So like as pointless as it might objectively seem for poor conservatives to hand over their money to a guy who's worth billions of dollars, it's even more pointless because it's not really going to have any effect on his situation. So, geez, what a waste of money. And the only thing more amazing than how much of a waste of money it is, is the reasoning provided by the person who set it up. And we will get to that in just one minute. But first, I want to acknowledge those who went above and beyond on pointlessly giving their money to Donald Trump. These are the top donors, okay? And you can see there are there's someone who gave $10,000 to this. Aaron Jones, whoever you are, gave $5,000. Ronald Jackson, who I I believe the idea is that that is Congressman Ronnie Jackson, gave $3,000. Why? Well, I mean, I know why. I think we all know why. It's like he wants to get on that list. In fact, he probably very specifically gave just enough to not be the last position in the list uh, as a sign of like veneration to Trump. I worship you this much. Please still love me. Um, but it's three thousand dollars that this guy is giving to a guy who supposedly has literally billions of dollars, who doesn't need the money, does not in any sense deserve the money. And yet you're handing it over. You could you could give that to a charity. Ronnie Jackson almost certainly is a fake Christian, right? Couldn't you give that to a church or something? There are people sleeping on the streets, good, innocent people who simply by virtue of circumstance and the chaos of our lives are on the streets. Their kids are on the streets. They don't have food. And you're giving $3,000 for Donald Trump after you already know that they lied in their business filings, it's 100% deserved. I don't understand it. I will never understand it. Now, it's totally legal. The GoFundMe gets to be on there. According to a representative, it's within their terms of service. It's not violating anything. In fact, raising money to help people pay for their legal costs is a thing that happens on GoFundMe. It's just generally it's supposed to help people who are like being abused by the system. 
But it seems that the high profile case is at least being driven by the rights charity is when you uh, like willfully just go to a protest and shoot up a bunch of people while claiming that it was self-defense or when your organization had been uh, overvaluing its property and its assets for literally years for its own financial benefit. But anyway, as I said, here is the argument of the woman who set this up. Elena Cardone says, when you can allow this to happen to one property owner, this can happen to everyone. I have no other choice but to stand up and represent property owners and business owners in America. I've never shown up at a property where the homeowner didn't think their house was worth more than it is. But now, according to this New York judge, for doing that, you can be considered to have committed fraud. Well, not quite. I want to fact check that a little bit because in your stupid example, you think it's worth more than it is. That's not what Trump did. Trump didn't think that Seven Springs was worth more. They claimed that it was worth more on documentation for years during which they were repeatedly told that it was not worth that amount, that it wasn't worth anything like that amount. One of those properties, I think it was Seven Springs, was worth something like three to five million dollars. And they claimed for their financial benefit that it was worth over $170 million. They knew that it wasn't, and they just kept claiming that it was. This isn't a thing where Eric was like sitting and thinking, man, that's not fair. It's worth way more than that. He was telling their accountants to pretend that it was worth more. So Elena Cardone, it would be stupid even if you were right. Okay, this would all be stupid. Why are you so worried about a billionaire property developer? But you're also fundamentally wrong. And in addition to Seven Springs, Mar-a-Lago, he valued at $1 billion, about $970 million, at least more than it's actually worth. That's not a small thing. That's not a, we disagree about how much the granite countertops should add to the appraisal. That's one appraisal is based in reality and the other is based in fantasy land. I want to read one more. I want to tell you about one more donor, by the way. Someone did not give $10,000. They give $5. And the reason is that when you give the money, you can also write a comment. And so this was the price of their comment. It's like a super chat, basically, for the Trump GoFundMe. And they said, I have donated $5 to put a comment of normalcy in between the insanity. So people know most people do not support this, this is uh, Donna Bauer. No one is above the law, not even this orange con man. It is obvious he is good at conning gullible people. It is sad that you all can't see through this farce. And I agree with Donna Bauer there. I wish she had been able to make the point without having to give $5 to this stupid waste of time and money. But she's totally right. And it's, by the way, it's not even it's not even the only example of Trump conning regrettably gullible people. We have another one coming up later in the show. Maybe that's even worse. But when I see stories like this, I need if you're a conservative, I need you to understand this. I'm not like mad about this because it hurts me. This doesn't have anything to do with me or any Democrat or leftist or liberal or anything. You guys are being conned. I'm not losing any money over this. This doesn't affect my bank account. Poor conservatives who desperately need that money, who, by the way, every day say that they are struggling to survive because of the Biden economy. We can't afford eggs. We can't afford gas. But you can afford to hand over $100, $200, $500 to a guy who could just write a check for this and still be a billionaire? That is a weird financial position to, to end up in or to pretend that you're in at the very least. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. They want me out. Oh, let's see if we can get them out. These are radical left Democrats. They're lunatics. And it's election interfering. So I just want to thank you for being here. Uh, we'll appeal. We'll be successful, I think, because, frankly, if we're not successful, New York State is gone. New York State will be gone if Donald Trump has to pay the fine that he got for defrauding banks in New York for uh, fundamentally presiding over an organization that lied routinely about all of its core financials. New York is gone. No, it's not. It'll be fine. But there is a threat to it. It's not from Trump directly, but it's a threat to New York that Donald Trump supports. And it's that when he made this call to end New York, I guess, guess who came to defend him? The truckers, of course. Truckers for Trump are going to boycott driving to New York City after the fraud ruling. Because you see, and let's see if we can follow this logic. Uh, Donald Trump committed fraud. I'm not it's not it's not an allegation, by the way. He's now been found to have committed fraud. I can just say that I don't have to worry about legal liability or whatever. And it's not debatable. We know exactly how much he overvalued specific properties. And so New York is bad and New York should suffer like regular people who live in New York. Truckers who live in New York, conservatives who live in New York should be economically devastated so that they'll overturn the verdict? How would that happen? Why would that happen? But anyway, it's a thing that Fox News is not surprisingly um, uh, promoting. Uh, Chicago Ray, not Ravana, she'll be on the show tomorrow. This is Chicago Ray, went on uh, Twitter and uh, posted this, a little video, but says, I've been on the radio for over an hour and I've talked to at least 10 truckers who are gonna start refusing loads of Monday for New York City. I talked to three guys that I work with who texted the boss and told him, no, we're not going to New York City. Truckers are 95% truck uh, Trump. I don't know if that's true. I assume majority, but I don't know about 95%. It'll get overturned on appeal. But you know how blank hard it is to get one of these blank in a New York City. Cut the blank. I'll see you down the road. Look, I will agree with Chicago Ran one thing. I, I wouldn't want to drive my tiny car into New York City. So I imagine that, yes, bringing a truck in there is tough and they should definitely be well paid for it. By the way, I will just point out to Chicago Ray, almost everyone out there who is advocating for the interests of truckers who want them to be paid and have job security and not get screwed over in terms of how you have to go into debt to actually finance the truck that you have are not conservatives, by the way. John Oliver had an amazing episode of his show breaking down the plight of truckers. Trump loves when you guys support him. He's not doing anything to help you, though. But anyway, the idea is that they're just not going to deliver to New York. And uh, that was so high profile. It, got, it went so viral that Trump himself retrothed it on Troth Social. And so he likes it. He likes the idea that truckers would screw over New York, the businesses of New York, including, by the way, his business that is still in New York and presumably has things that are delivered to it via truck. Um, and it's not just him. We're going to return to him because there's been some developments for Chicago Ray. But there was another trucker who, for some reason, the Daily Mail had to point out as a female trucker. I mean, I guess it's not the majority or whatever, but like you could just say trucker. 
she's still a trucker, but anyway, says it could shut New York down, saying if New York loses just 10% of the trucks going in, their prices are skyrocket on everything from milk to eggs to any type of goods that the consumer needs. And that could still come true. Yes, if one in 10 trucks didn't go, that probably would jack with the prices a little bit. But unfortunately, that uh, that female trucker, Jennifer Hernandez, is not going to have the support of one notable trucker, which is Chicago Ray, because he is already backing off of this. Apparently, uh, sitting in your truck and making a video and tweeting about how you're going to tell your employer to go F himself is easier to do than to actually do that. And understandably, it doesn't seem to have gone well. So now he's backing off. So he deleted the video. Uh, he took down the post, um, but obviously everybody had already seen it at that point. I mean, literally the former president of the United States had sent it out. So that didn't really work. He did post this message on Twitter trying to move past this situation, saying, just to be clear, I'm no figurehead of any movement, despite the right trying to make that the case. I'm not leading, nor have I encouraged, or am I encouraging anyone to do anything other than what they were doing prior to the ruling on Friday in New York City. So very clearly being like, everybody back off. Stop getting me in trouble. I just want to keep my job. Says I'm just a trucker or a chatter and posted it on Twitter. I mean, that's that's not what the initial post was. It wasn't just this is what people are saying. It's I agree with this. I think that it's a good idea. He still says that he'll win on appeal and maybe he will. He says we're all Americans and all. Although we may not agree with the way Trump is being persecuted, there's a lot of people who have nothing to do with this that could be harmed. We're truckers. We do what we do. We work through the pandemic. Let's keep goods and services flowing as scheduled and our voices will be heard loud and clear this November. That is an incredibly reasonable post from Chicago Ray, both reasonable on the substance that truckers do a very important job, which is why leftists advocate for them, by the way, and don't want them all to be replaced by Elon Musk's automated, uh, automated trucks or whatever, um, but also reasonable because, yeah, he probably was risking losing his job or whatever. And I don't want him to lose his job. You should be able to post that you think that it's unfair that the billionaire who objectively broke the law, objectively committed fraud, there's no debate to be had there, doesn't deserve to be fined. You can you can have those political views. You can subscribe to a political movement that claims to be for the everyman, for the worker, a populist movement, while at the same time believing that the elites in society should be literally above the law. You can do that. It doesn't ideologically seem consistent to me. But you should do that. You shouldn't be at risk of losing your job. But that said, boycotting the entire city makes no sense just because you don't like one of their like legal judgments. And I'm not saying that I've never seen this before. You know, some people are saying they don't want to go to Texas because of their abortion laws or whatever. OK, well, that is Texas literally persecuting like half of its population. Not one guy who broke the law and who actually is suffering consequences for it. Some people, uh, Indianapolis, there was a brief boycott of them for the anti-LGBTQ laws. That's literally them prosecuting a ton of people that live there. So just there are boycotts and then there are stupid boycotts. We can you can engage in whatever you want, but they don't all automatically deserve respect. And I just will quickly say. Is it weird that like every time anything happens in politics, Fox is like. Send the truckers or in this case, don't send the truckers, block the truckers. Like, I get that there was the vaccine thing in Canada, but like, what did the truckers have to do with the border? Remember that convoy that went there and then disappeared in three and a half minutes because it didn't have anything to do with anything. What does that have to do with the legal system in New York? Like truckers do an important job. And I get that, like the idea of this is they're more real Americans than people who do other sort of work. But like, why always the truckers? Why does every social movement on the right 
need to rely, like rest on the shoulders of people who cart cargo. I don't understand it. Miss James had her shoes off in court. Let's not forget that. I called it out in the closing argument, but it's true. She had a Starbucks coffee in her hand. She wasn't doing work. She wasn't sitting at the council table. She was in the back with her shoes off and a coffee. And at the end of the day, we're sitting there looking at this going, this is the state of our country. At the end of the day, we're sitting there and we're we're turned around in our seat when we should probably be paying attention to what the judge is saying. And, and we're looking this way when we're probably missing something that considering how little experience we have in a courtroom, we should probably be paying attention to. And 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 I did I, I did really bad in that, that in that trial, too. I probably shouldn't have been looking at the feet over there, but I'm looking at the feet and I'm thinking she's got her shoes off. She's drinking a coffee, you know, like like queens do or something. And that's the state of our country. No, the state of our country is that up until like the last month, a guy like Trump could break the law in a thousand different forms over the course of decades and basically never suffer any consequences, not consequences that are large enough to actually matter. Of course, there was some real estate stuff back in the 80s. There was Trump University and all that. But finally, the willful, needless breaking of the law is suffering actual consequences. That is part of the new state of the country, and we should all applaud it. But Alina Haba, since she is the legal representative for Donald Trump and someone who can only get her wins while on right wing talk shows, never in a courtroom because she doesn't have the capability, the experience and the knowledge. Um, this is how she's going to try to win. You go to court. Your guy gets hit for like one hundred million dollars for E. Jean Carroll, a third of a billion dollars in the civil fraud lawsuit and more are coming. So those are big losses, but I don't want the MAGA movement to focus on that and think that maybe Donald Trump is kind of a con man and a fraud and a failure. So instead, that black woman took her shoes off and I think it's a travesty. Okay, she had her shoes off. Honestly, it's a sign of confidence, if anything. She whooped your butt and she didn't even need to wear shoes while doing it. Your shoes stayed on. Did that help you in the end? Did that benefit you legally in some way? And I get that maybe the shoes thing is a little bit weird. Okay, what's with the coffee? People drink coffee. Lawyers drink coffee. Maybe you should have had a coffee during one of these trials. And it's Starbucks. Okay, look, I have my issue with Starbucks and their anti-union efforts. I have a feeling that's not what Alina Haba is so angry at them about. Is it supposed to be like luxury coffee or something you're defending a literal billionaire and you're trying to present her as being hoity-toity because she had a mocha or something most of the people in that courtroom probably had starbucks coffee what a bizarre thing to focus on but she has does have other defenses she says that in the end they will win they will not get away with it talking about I guess, like, I don't know, the fact-based world reality. I don't know. We will come at them. We will come hard. And we will literally fight until the truth comes out. There was nothing wrong. President Trump has done nothing wrong. Except for all the stuff that he did wrong. Like when he sexually assaulted E. Jean Carroll and then defamed her about it. That Those are some things he did that were wrong. And when they pretended that Seven Springs and a number of their other properties are worth like 100 times what they were, that was wrong. Now... I could I could just say that she's lying. I could also say maybe she doesn't know. Maybe she's such a bad lawyer that she doesn't know that you're not supposed to overvalue something by 100 times over to make it easier to get loans and things like that. I don't know. Is it dishonesty? Is it incompetence? Por qué no los dos, I guess, when it comes to Alina Haba. I don't know.
But she goes on to say, I think the biggest message I can give the American people tonight is that he's not going to get away with it. This is the judge, not Trump, who for once did not get away with it. Letitia James is not going to get away with it. The Biden administration is not going to get away with it. And I agree with her on that last part. The Biden administration is not going to get away with it because they have nothing at all to do with it. They're not involved in the trial. Alina Hamba, do you even know who is a party to this lawsuit? Like, you should really read some of the paperwork. I know there's a lot of them, but you got to start leafing through it at least. Wow. A lot of emotion. There's a lot of emotion in this room. Thank you. Thank you. So, so the really nice thing is we have lines, and I want to thank Chase, and I want to thank Alan. Yeah, quite a bit of boo in there. And I love him saying like a lot of emotion. So the great thing is, yeah, he's having the best time at sneaker con. Because the thing that you need to know about Donald Trump is he has a very thick skin and he's incredibly open to criticism. <laughs> he's stewing inside at sneaker con as they're booing him. And in other videos you can watch, they're chanting, let's go Biden and stuff like that. It is literally the most support Biden has gotten from young people in years was at sneaker con. But we're not here to talk about the booze, although I have to note it because screw Donald Trump. We're here to talk about the stupid sneakers that were on the podium in front of him. Here's a close up. Oh, we can actually go to the video at this point. Sorry. Yo, check out these Trump ones. $400 retail on these. Check these out. Check the box too. It says Trump, friends and family. Then when you open it, it comes with like a gold wrapping paper. Yeah, of course it comes with gold wrapping paper. Donald Trump has horrible taste, no class, and he knows one thing. If it's gold, it's good. I don't know. Uh, the sneakers were got awful. I got that from that little revelation. They were very, very gold. They had a big T and uh, that's about it. The thing is, as dumb as they are, they do really cost $400. Go to the website now, let's take a look at this. Uh, $400 for the Trump sneakers. And I love the, the header of that, T, Trump sneakers. What are you gonna have the T as your logo for and then not do T, Rump sneakers? You're just wasting space there, buddy. But anyway, they are $400 and uh, Trump was very happy about these sneakers, despite the booze that he got at SneakerCon. He says, I just want to tell you, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I have some incredible people that will work with me on things. And they came up with this. And this is something I've been talking about for 12 years, 13 years. And I think it's going to be a big success. We'll return to that last point about the big success. But I love every other part of what he just said there. First of all, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. This is not like a con that I just came up with in the last 48 hours because I owe half a billion dollars. I've always loved sneakers. You know, I wear sneakers when I play basketball or lift weights or do other things that people who can move freely do. Get the hell out of here with the sneakers. Do you think he's even worn sneakers in the last 30 years? He doesn't care about sneakers and the sneaker world doesn't seem to care about him, by the way. I don't know what sneaker con really is. I like low key love that it is a thing that exists. I just love niche hobbies. Like that people would be so excited for sneakers that they go to sneaker con. I think it's cool. Um, 
but that you love. You do a lot of grifts. I'm sure people come to you like Shark Tank every day hawking something stupid, a dumb overpriced thing that you can put a T on or make gold and will make a hundred times as much as we cost to make it. That the idea that this has been like a burning passion of his is so stupid. And there's other stuff that's stupid about this. You might have noticed on that screenshot of the website, if we zoom in, it's super limited, only 1,000 pairs. That doesn't seem super limited, but that's not the part that really bothers me. It's at least, quote, at least 10 randomly autographed by Trump. Now, that is a good idea business wise. If you think there's a chance that the one you get could be autographed by Trump, that's a good business thing. But the part that I love is at least 10, which means it could be 10. It could be 11, it could be 100, it could be 500. Of course, if Trump is doing the actual autographing, that means he has to physically do something. Do you think he's gonna voluntarily do one second more work for these people than he has to? It's 10, there are 10 random autographs, maybe. And he didn't even autograph them, it was Don Jr. or something. It wasn't him that did it. But anyway, we need to get in other aspects of this that I think are hilarious, including that not shockingly, it appears that these were made in China. This close up on the label seems to show that. I'm not staking everything I think about this story and that being the case, but it would hardly be surprising considering that his ties were made in China. Hell, his stakes were probably made in China. Um, but anyway, I went to Derek Guy on Twitter who posts about workwear and evaluates clothing and stuff like that. He had a whole thread on this, I thought it was hilarious. He says, so for a shoe that probably costs $20 to make, Maybe we can add another $20 for various associated costs, shipping and things like that. That's still a 10 times markup from cost to retail with all the profit being pocketed by Trump. This is not at all comparable to how other fashion companies price things. Of course not, no other fashion company, no matter how greedily capitalistic they are, would ever abuse their customers to the extent that Donald Trump will abuse the most devoted MAGA people. And by the way, as many people have noted, you can get these sneakers so much cheaper elsewhere. I mean, not the exact same things, let's be fair. But on Timu or whatever, you can get them for $3. Or I don't know, it's Timu. Maybe when you buy it, you literally just get that picture of a person's foot in a shoe. I don't know how that website works, but, but you could get it for a lot cheaper. Sure, it doesn't have the T or the blue and red that doesn't in any way go with the gold. Those are somehow better looking shoes than the Trump ones, but you could do it. And by the way, if you did not get one of the first thousand pairs, you can still get other god awful shoes and waste waste your money on it. You can get these, the POTUS 45 and the T Red Wave. And I love that. I love that, not just because it continues to steal the money from his base or whatever. You call those shoes the Red Wave. Don't you think that like you should ever lead a red wave like cuz you've always hurt your party so much when it comes to actually getting other people in office like those shoes are lying in one additional way than i would have thought they'd be capable of but anyway um people obviously have jokes i have some jokes uh spokesman for uh joe biden said donald trump showing up to hawk bootleg off whites is the closest he'll get to any air force ones ever again for the rest of his life and i think that's pretty good Just because Donald Trump's new sneakers are incredibly overpriced and ugly as hell and just overall stupid does not mean that they won't be a success because this remains America. 
So why wouldn't they sell out almost immediately? And in fact, they appear to have done just that. Now, granted, there were only a thousand pairs. And granted, if they didn't sell out, they would definitely lie and say that they did. Nobody should doubt that for a second. But I believe it. I believe that they sold a thousand pairs of these ugly, incredibly overpriced sneakers. In fact, more overpriced than you might think because most of the pairs were 4,000, but not all of them. Apparently, this guy, who's like a CEO of Russian company or something, I don't know and I don't particularly care. He paid $9,000 for ones that were autographed. Of course, for $400, you get the chance that it's autographed. He really wanted someone to have pretended to be Trump and autograph the shoes. So he paid $9,000 for shoes that generously cost $20 to manufacture. And I'm not surprised by this. This is, at the end of the day, what Trump's movement is. It is producing the ideology and the fan base to buy whatever stupid thing he decides to try to sell them. Whether it's a, a t-shirt with his mugshot on it or an NFT of him playing football or something. That's what this whole movement is. It is designed and run to make it so that when he decides to sell shoes, they'll buy the shoes. And the crazy thing is that it didn't used to be this way. Here's a reminder of where the country used to be. I enjoy steaks of this quality in one of my resort restaurants or America's finest steakhouses, but now that's changed. Today, through the Sharper Image, you can enjoy the world's greatest steaks in your own home with family, friends. So what do you think of my Trump Home Mattress Collection by Serta? Mr. Trump, please. My new game is Trump the Game. Trump the Game, where you deal for everything you've ever wanted to own. Because it's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you win. Yes! Play Trump the Game from Milton Bradley. I think you'll like it. We're going to have professors and adjunct professors that are absolutely terrific, terrific people, terrific brains, successful. Oh, that last one was fun. I remember when he took some of the people who were most desperate amongst his fans and he conned them into joining his fake university and they lost everything. That was fun. Weird that he's able to maintain a cult after that. Uh, the game won fun too. I've actually seen the Trump game. I haven't played it. But they said, it's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you win. And I get that that's supposed to be like Trump always wins, but there's multiple players in the game. Does everyone win? How does the game work? And of course, you're all probably still eating your Trump steaks and everybody, you know, every year I think replaces their Trump mattress. Those products all failed because he is a failure and the products aren't worth anything. But that used to be what happened. They used to fail. They don't fail anymore. The NFTs sell out. The shoes sell out. Honestly, it's kind of surprising that he doesn't launch more grifty cons. This is where he's been a success. Not really politically sure he skated through and became president for all the good that it did the country or his fan base. Um, you know, he didn't deliver for his supporters in any way that actually affects their life. But he has set up this thing where millions of Americans have been trained to believe that wasting money they don't have to waste and handing it over to a guy who already has billions is their way of demonstrating their moral superiority. It's the weirdest cult. It is the most transparently con, uh, like a like a sort like a movement based on a con, based on exploitation of its members than really anything else. And there's some that I would throw out as uh, you know potential competition, but I don't want to be sued into the ground. So they're very litigious, and they have a headquarters in L.A. But anyway, um, I think he's got one of the biggest ones. 
And now he can't lose. And so the thing is, like, we can mock these shoes and say that they're stupid and that they'll fall apart. And all of that is true. But he is going to be successful with that, which is why I don't get why he's running for president again, man. Just keep selling your stupid shoes and your stu stupid trading cards, and you can make some actual money. Okay, you've been barely breaking even on all of your real businesses for decades, but now you have something. You can take a turd spray painted gold and for some reason, some conservative with like 30 bucks in his bank account will drain that bank account to buy that turd. Your fellow vice presidential hopefuls, Elise sure. Stefanik and JD Vance, have both said that they would not have certified Joe Biden's electoral college victory if they had been vice president on January 6, 2021, if they had been in Mike Pence's place. Would you have? I'm not going to answer hypothetical questions, number one. And I didn't know that I was a vice president hopeful. Thank you very much, Jake, for letting me know where I am on the, on the scale. I'll simply say this, that having four more years of President Donald Trump means that we will have low inflation, low crime, we'll have record low unemployment. That's not what it means at all. And we'll return to all of that. We'll do a little bit of fact checking in just a minute. But first of all, like, <laughs> I didn't know that I was trying to be VP or whatever. I almost buy it with Tim Scott. He seems kind of disconnected from what's going on around him. But the idea that like Jake Tapper just broke news to him that he's trying to be VP is so disingenuous, utterly disingenuous. But not as disingenuous as I don't answer hypotheticals. Was that a hypothetical? I mean, it happened. It's in the past. Generally, hypotheticals dwell in the future. They haven't happened yet. That one actually happened. And I'm not saying that there aren't elements that are hypothetical, but you know that legally he couldn't just not certify the election. Like, you know that that's the case, right? By the way, he's a senator. I know it's very easy to forget Tim Scott got elected into office. He was one of the people who conceivably could have been murdered by that mob. And now all of a sudden, that's a hypothetical. But who's to say? Well, you're to say. You're to say, you know he couldn't have decertified it. You know what happened on that day. You know everything that happened after that day. And to you, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not asking you who would win in a fight like uh, like Superman or 100 T-Rexes or whatever. Like, this is very grounded. You could give an answer about this. But to become VP, he has to try to keep his reputation a little bit clean. And so that means not, not speaking honestly, not speaking directly in any case. We're gonna see if we can get a little bit more clarity on what he thinks about another big issue having to do with the guy who he definitely wants to be the running mate for, and that is Donald Trump and the massive legal bees that he legal bees legal bills that he has. Take a look at this. It comes to former President Trump, Senator Scott, do you believe the RNC, the Republican National Committee, should be involved in paying his legal expenses, which are mounting? I can only tell you that without any question, when you look at the two-tier justice system that we have that I just reinforced, I think it's important for us to note that without any question, the American people are very concerned about how that would impact their lives. Their issues are very clear, by the way. The American people are more focused on their future than Donald Trump's past. What they're more focused on is making sure that our southern border is secured. Well, then in that case, you'd think they'd be a little bit angry about the fact that Donald Trump almost single-handedly tanked the border security deal. You'd think that maybe they'd be angry about that. And also, I love that their defense is always like, they're more interested in the future than Donald Trump's past. 
Yeah, but like you guys have been saying that for every insane thing, every crazy statement, every crime that he's committed. You keep saying that. Can I be concerned about the next one that he does? Because there's more coming. You can't just write off literally everything. Okay, uh, then well, what are you worried about Hunter Biden and Burisma or whatever? That is, after all, in the past. I think the American people are more interested in Biden's future than Hunter Biden's past. Does that convince anyone of anything? I understand when you see Tim Scott talk like that. It's a direct question: Should the RNC pay for Donald Trump's legal fees? And he just says, well, the only thing I know is blah, blah, talking point. This is why people hate politicians so much. This is why, unfortunately, you get a point where they look at someone like Trump and they're deluded and they're thinking that he's like telling it like it is. He isn't, he's lying. But in comparison to like a Tim Scott, it's not as obvious that he has no interest in being honest about anything that he believes. But anyway, we're gonna move on to some chat, I guess maybe competition to Tim Scott. Which is, uh, let's see him on Nikki Haley. Obviously, Donald Trump has been upping his rhetoric against Nikki Haley. Here is Tim Scott participating in that. He says things like yes. she may not be eligible to run, suggesting she wasn't born in the US, which she was. He calls her bird brain. He made comments about her husband being on military deployment as if he was trying to get away from her. Where does he think her supporters will go if he continues to attack her like that? Well, there's, there's no doubt that the race has gotten kind of challenging without any question. Listen, the rhetoric coming out of the Haley camp, uh, talking about people's age. Uh, we, we see the Haley camp in the, in the family uh, referring to me as Judas Iscariot. We're hearing a lot of chatter out of the Haley camp, not only just matching the rhetoric from the Trump side, but actually going further. Tim Scott is absolute garbage. He's garbage, he's a dumbass, he's a hypocrite. I don't care about the Judas Iscariot stuff, but let me pretend I'm religious. He's Judas too. I don't know, whatever principles or values he used to have, like so many politicians before him, they have all been put to the side, utterly forgotten. They're covered in dust because he needs Donald Trump to support him. He had nothing to say about any of those utterly unacceptable attacks that Donald Trump has lobbed at Nikki Haley. Fundamentally racist and misogynistic attacks. Tim Scott, who has been the target of racist attacks. I am sure a 100 times in his career, because America is chock full of racists. Suddenly, who cares? Because in this case, the racist is the guy who I want to be the VP for. I want that cherished position where maybe I'll be the guy who he has a mob trying to assassinate someday. And Nikki Haley, you can say that she was unfair with the age stuff or something. She hasn't said anything about him like Donald Trump has. Tim Scott knows that. He's being utterly fake, utterly false. If he is remembered at all by history, it should be for being one of the biggest hypocrites of the modern America, uh, the modern Republican Party. Trump is effing pissed at Charlie Kirk, according to a new report. And the reason for it is honestly among the last things that I would have predicted. So stay tuned for that. But this is the case that the knives are out for Charlie Kirk amongst some of the most notable or at least formerly notable members of the MAGA world.
Uh, Ronna McDaniel has apparently been leading the charge against him, specifically trying to turn other MAGA people against Charlie Kirk. So uh, apparently, well, she's clearly mad if you haven't been following the news because he was advocating like a lot of people in the right were for her to be ousted from her position at the RNC. But she went to Mar-a-Lago last month and she brought up Charlie Kirk to Donald Trump for a couple of different reasons. So let's list the grievances against him. And it's things that are bothering Ronna McDaniel, but also other members of the quote unquote like elite MAGA movement. So first of all, she blamed Charlie Kirk for some of the RNC's fundraising woes, saying that his organization is collecting from donors who would otherwise fund a more robust party effort. So the idea is, we could be raising money to actually get Republicans elected, but instead, the millionaires and billionaires are giving money to Charlie Kirk's organization. First of all, I love that all of a sudden you have a problem with that. That has been the financial bedrock of turning points the entire time it's existed. But now all of a sudden it's an issue. And it ties into the fact that other reporting has said that many of these elite donors are already getting tapped out and won't be able to assist with Donald Trump and other Republicans that much later on. But I get it. They raise a ton of money. They put it into absolutely horrific live events where they try to make, you know, like Ted Cruz look cool and stuff. I would be bothered by that if I was Ronna McDaniel too. But the much more surprising issue that she has is when she brought up to Trump if he was aware of comments that Kirk had made questioning whether Martin Luther King Jr. deserved a federal holiday and remarking about diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, DEI, which they can't stop talking about now. Specifically in the airline industry, Charlie Kirk, if you don't know, was quoted as saying, if I see a black pilot, I'm gonna be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. Which I don't know why that bothers Ronna McDaniel so much. For once in his life, Charlie Kirk is being honest with his audience. He has an actual thought, a horrid racist thought, but a thought nonetheless. And he's actually telling them what he really believes. When Charlie Kirk sees a black professional, he assumes that they don't deserve their position. He finds it incomprehensible that a black person would be able to acquire an education, be hired for a position, and then actually perform well in that position. But anyway, Donald Trump is obviously hoping to make inroads amongst black voters in this election. And so the idea that Charlie Kirk, who for whatever reason has a following on the right, is now going as hardcore as he can in attacking black Americans in every way, just viciously, ahistorically attacking black Americans. You can understand why that would anger the MAGA movement, why Donald Trump might not be happy about that at the end of the day. We can show you some of these images. He did this whole thing. Basically what happened is Martin Luther King Jr. Day was coming and Charlie Kirk and his production staff were thinking, what's the most racist thing we can do right now? And they came up with challenging whether he should have the, the, the federal holiday. It's not, not gonna succeed, but it did, did succeed in reassuring his audience that he is just as racist as either they are or they wish that he would be. So that's great for him, not necessarily great for the, for the right. I mean, after all, we've talked about the polling this election. Biden has been weak amongst certain voting constituencies that generally are very supportive of the Democratic candidate. Young voters, Hispanic voters, but also black voters. And I don't know in some of those groups how likely the right is to make real inroads. But amongst black voters, it seemed like Trump was sort of making some, getting some movement. And here comes Charlie Kirk, where his interests in getting racists to watch his content just runs directly afoul of Donald Trump's goal of getting elected. And he could really use those votes, especially in certain swing states. Now, Don Jr. says that. Charlie Kirk is not on the outs, nothing could be further from the truth. 
Take that for what you will, Donald Trump Jr. is an absolutely massive liar. There's no reason that you would trust literally anything that he says. And turning points like the RNC should be mad at us, we're taking them on or whatever. Okay, whatever. Um, he doesn't actually address the fact that Charlie Kirk's program has taken like a big turn into a, like explicitly racist rhetoric lately. We'll see if they eventually get around to commenting on that. Generally, they're only able to identify how racist people in Turning Point USA have been once they're no longer with the organization. And they have a long track record of that. Look it up. In advance of the Michigan Democratic primary, Representative Rashida Tlaib is urging Michigan Democrats to vote uncommitted rather than supporting Joe Biden as a sign of their opposition to the way that he is addressing the war being waged on the Palestinian people. Take a look at this. It is important as you all know to not only march against the genocide, not only make sure that we're calling our members of Congress and local electeds and passing city resolutions all throughout our country. It is also important to create a voting block, something that is a bullhorn to say enough is enough. We don't want a country that supports wars and bombs and destruction. We want to support life. We want to stand up for every single life killed in Gaza. I want you to think of Al-Shama, I want you to think of Rima, I want you to think of Sidra, I want you to think of all of the amazing young children and the people, again, lives were lost in Gaza. This is the way you can raise our voices. Don't make us even more invisible. Right now, we feel completely neglected and just unseen by our government. If you want us to be louder, then come here and vote uncommitted. I want to address one thing right off the bat because I don't know how much time we have to discuss this and I have a lot of thoughts and I won't be able to fit them all in. Everyone needs to understand that she is advising Democrats to do this in the Democratic primary. She is not telling them to tank Michigan for Joe Biden in the general election. She is not saying as a way of showing our opposition to his position on Israel and Gaza that we should get Donald Trump to win Michigan. She is not saying that. She could say that, maybe in a few months she will. Let's judge that if and when that happens. For now, she is saying to do it to send a strong signal to the leader of the Democratic Party in an area where he has been rightly criticized by so many people, particularly young voters. Like this signal being sent during the Michigan primary could maybe get Biden to change course and that could really help him in the general election. So there's a case to be made that Rashida Tlaib is not only representing Palestinians, representing people in her own district and in Michigan who feel like their voices are not being heard, but maybe could actually provide a big boost to Democrats in the general election if she makes it clear to Biden that he needs to change course. And there have been lots of people inside of his administration who have been protesting in a variety of ways. And the reason I say all this is I know there are people who they see Rashida Tlaib, they know she's a member of the squad, she's a progressive, they're gonna be like, Let's pretend that she's trying to wreck Michigan in the general election to get people really mad at her. And people have been so ready to attack anyone who stands against Biden's position on this war that they're not gonna be hindered by the facts. But to whatever extent I can set the record straight, that is what she's actually advising people to do. There have been previous attempts to get things like ceasefire written in in some of the primaries in New Hampshire. They have not been incredibly successful. 1500 or so people did it, so that's great. And and look, if people wanna use this as an opportunity to have their voice be heard, they should do that. But let's just keep it real about what she's actually asking for and the stakes as well. More than 29,000 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza since the war's start. 
This is not some small niche issue. She is 100% in the right to be trying to get people fired up about this. So anyway, let's just keep let's just keep it real. That's what she's asking for and not whatever, you know, straw man version of it eventually makes it out via Axios or the Hill or whatever.